0: trojan fans it's time for another installment of the trojan
1: blast recruiting podcast we give you the inside scoop on everything about usc football recruiting from the experts who know what they're talking about which players have an offer which ones don't who the coaches like and who our experts like and now here are your co-hosts for the trojan blast recruiting podcast uscfootball.com publisher Ryan Abraham and uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez.
0: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Trojan Blast recruiting podcast here at uscfootball.com, part of the Peristyle Podcast family. We're integrating some more recruiting podcasts in with Gerard Martinez. He's our national Recruiting editor for us at uscfootball.com. There's been, even though you got this uh, coronavirus quarantine and stay-at-home orders going on, we're seeing a big uptick in USC football recruiting, mostly thanks to the new members of the coaching staff really hitting that trail hard. So we're going to talk about three new commitments since the last time we did a recruiting podcast with Gerard Martinez. If you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com dot com is email address or if you'd rather call or text us you can do that too specify that it's a recruiting question for Gerard and we'll ha- we'll play them on the next show. 424-254-9141 is the number to text or call and leave a voicemail. Same thing with the email podcast at com. if you say hey recruiting question for Gerard we'll put it in that bin and then the next time we have Gerard on we'll have him answer the question. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts positive feedback tell your friends about it I know it's a crazy time you gotta look for people are looking for content we're trying to do more shows for you now because we know people are bored at home and there's not a whole lot to do so we're doing there's no sports so we'll try to bring you the sports as best we can and the good thing recruiting doesn't stop coaches even though it's a dead period coaches can still text and make contact with prospects and they've been doing that uh, quite a bit and like I said three new commitments since the last time. We did a show. Let's bring in our guest, uh, Gerard Martinez. Follow him on Twitter at GMartLive. What's up, Gerard? How you doing?
1: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, USC, number one in the Pac-12 in recruiting. They overtook Oregon with their latest commitment, Brandon Campbell, and uh, Zamirian Gordon, uh, running back, Brandon Campbell from KD, Texas, 5'10", 190 pounds, kind of a little bit out of left field uh, as they... Commitment for USC USC was doing well with him. He put USC in his top six, but I don't think anybody really saw commitment coming to USC this early. He's never been to Southern California. He's never stepped foot on the campus of USC. So it was one of those things where, you know, he puts USC in his top six and we reach out to him and it became apparent that he really liked USC, and he likes the situation at USC. And then they get Zamirian Gordon, who kind of we weren't sure when he was going to commit either. We knew USC was one of his top schools, but he's a pretty quiet kid, doesn't do a lot of interviews, and so we weren't sure if that was something that was going to happen a little later into the summer, Six two hundred ninety pounds from Downey, uh, from, from Downey, Warren High School in Downey, uh, one of the better uh, higher-ranked uh, safeties on the West Coast. And it's not a great year for safety, so to get a four-star and to get a guy that's six 190, um, a little bigger player. You know that the safety position, you know, after next year is going to be one that uh, USC is going to have to probably replace at least one starting safety. Possibly to Telenoa Hufunga is obviously a guy that is going to be eligible for the NFL draft is going to probably be uh, maybe a first two day draft pick so there's potential he might leave and then Isaiah Polomaau is another guy that while he is developing and he's getting better he could have a breakout year next year 64 210 pound safety, a guy that can run. I think this new defense is really going to you know it's going to be big for him he's going to be able um, to I think develop more and be even a better player for USC he's just got to get that tackling down I think in the open space and then you're looking at a guy that might get some NFL looks too so there's a potential that USC ends up losing both safeties next year so they got to take some safeties this year they've got to get some guys Uh, overall, unfortunately, I don't think it's a year you're going to find another Telenoa Hufunga. I don't think there's another one of those guys out there, even nationally, and certainly with the group that USC has offered, I don't know there's a guy that's going to be able to step in as a true freshman and take his place. So there's going to have to be some player development there. There's going to have to be some movement in the defensive backfield, but to get a guy like Zamirian Gordon, who's one of the best in the state, while he's not necessarily Telenoa Hufunga, he's still one of the best available, so it's a big get for USC.
0: Yeah, so a couple you mentioned there. Also, uh, Mason Murphy, the offensive tackle from uh, uh, J. Sarah Catholic in uh, San Juan Capistrano, 6'5", 290 pounds. He's a a three-star offensive tackle, uh, and he was a commitment, I guess, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, uh, but I think it was after the last time we did a recruiting podcast.
1: Yeah, he commits, and he's the number one tackle in California, so he's only a three-star Um, He's about 40th, I think, out of his position. But I think eventually when it's all kind of said and done, he probably ends up being a four-star. He's a guy with some upside – uh, you see him as a, a good utility player, not necessarily a for sure left tackle right now. I think there's maybe a little more that we have to see from him, but he's got good wingspan. He's a he's a big kid, 6'5", probably carries around 300 pounds, um, and he moves well. He moves well off the line. I like the way he fires off the line. He can get to the second level of the defense. And he's a guy that I think, you know, potentially could play guard, could play offensive tackle, could play left, play right. He's a utility guy. He's a little bit like an Andrew Voorhees from that standpoint. And so you always want to get those type of players into your program. Um, You love to be able to have guys that you could shuffle around. USC's going to be in that position this upcoming year. They're going to have to shuffle Elijah Vera Tucker probably out to left tackle. So having that versatility is a big deal. And even though he's only a three-star, you know, USC had six Last year, sign in the 2020 class, that being offensive lineman. You're you're not necessarily looking to have a big offensive line class to follow that, but I think USC's is on track to do pretty well in the offensive line, and I think getting Mason Murphy, number one tackle in the state, is a great start for them.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know this is a weird time, as we know. I want we first of all, everyone, please stay safe, stay at home, wash your hands, wear your masks. whatever you got to do. You just want to you know stop the spread of the virus because we want to have college football. Uh, this fall. We're very hopeful that that happens, but because it's a dead period and that was extended by the NCAA, which means you can't have visits. There can't be in-person stuff. um, There still can be communication between coaches and prospects. They can text and direct message and stuff. I'm not sure. Can coaches call recruits or only recruits call coaches right now? No,
1: coaches can call recruits. Coaches are, are using uh, various different apps like Skype Uh, We hear USC is using Zoom a lot. Zoom is actually getting some controversy because it's a Chinese-made app that evidently has some privacy issues, which I just kind of heard about today. So keep an eye on that if you're using Zoom. Um, But there's FaceTime. There's a bunch of different apps and ways that they're not only calling the kids, but they're video conferencing the kids. And with USC, I just recently did a story on uh, Quaidarius Davis, Who's a six one hundred ninety pound wide receiver from Dallas Skyline High School, and USC is also in his top six. And USC is in a pretty good position with him. We made a crystal ball uh, for him just uh, the other day, Chris Trevino and I, and we hear USC's in a pretty good position to be able to maybe get his recruitment in the near future uh, or his commitment in the near future. And you know, speaking to him, he talked a lot about, and we've heard this from other recruits too how hard USC was recruiting him and how he heard from the coaching staff like every day. And I asked him, well, who's recruiting you? Who's that guy on the staff that you've developed a good relationship with? And he goes, you know, I mean, he goes, I talked to coach Colbert, but I talked to everybody. It's the whole coaching staff that I talked to. I don't, I have a good relationship with everybody. I mean it was from Clay Helton to, you know, Graham Harrell and everybody on the staff really. He said he talked to just about every day. And that's been sort of a theme with this coaching staff and sort of the new revitalized, re energized support staff. They've they've got more people on the support staff now. It just seems like everybody's on the same page. And the energy in the office, which is not in the office, because they're really not in the office anymore. They're kind of having to use teleconference and, and video conference phone calls themselves when they're doing evaluations. Um, but there's there's even though they're all kind of separated, there's an energy that's feeding itself. You know, I think you get a guy like Dante Williams, get a guy like Todd Orlando, uh Vic and and uh Craig. Uh, neighbor, uh, Those guys are all good recruiters and it sort of like their energy for recruiting and, and being excited and being enthusiasm that comes from it. The other coaches see it. And while they may have been like before, okay, you know, yeah, we're going to recruit and we're going to do our thing. Now it just becomes more fun. You know, they're making it fun. And when you start to get commitments and you start to feel like you're actually making some traction with some of these top players, it gets more fun. You know, so you, you can definitely see that that is sort of pushing them and motivating them, and this is the first time in quite a while where I've had guys that are top players, guys like guard Josh Simmons, who just decommitted uh, from Oregon, number one offensive lineman in Southern California, and, and I think of the whole state from San Diego, Morse High School, that's a guy that uh, – or I think, I, mean, I think he's actually – I don't know if he's at Morse anymore. He might be at – uh uh, Helix now, but he talked a lot about, you know, USC is really coming after me hard. Like they've completely turned up the dial on their recruitment. And I mean, there's really not a lot of schools out there that, 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 that are on me like that That are contacting me that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm building this vibe with and uh, uh Davis said the exact same thing. He said, you know, they're coming all the way from California and they're out recruiting a bunch of schools here locally and so that's, you know, that's really made a big impression on me. And with USC, they actually started recruiting him back in his sophomore year. And he said, you know, really after they offered, they were recruiting me pretty hard. Uh, he said, did they, you know, but it, it last kind of year or so, they've been recruiting me harder than even Texas was recruiting me when I was committed to Texas. So that kind of shows you that, you know, that's a, that's. They're, They're a up a whole not nother-
0: This is a whole different coaching staff. Like these guys, I mean, it's night and day, right? From when the last staff to this staff. Like these guys actually, like there's a difference when you actually recruit all year round. You have to do that kind of stuff, and the previous staff wasn't doing that.
1: No, and I, I think you know what I've talked about on the message boards, and, and this conversation has come up quite a few times. I think there were certain coaches on the staff that just didn't like recruiting. And it set a bad example for some of the other coaches. You had good recruiters on the staff. You know, you had guys like T. Martin and then guys like Kanichio D. Z. There were some guys that have come and gone that have been recruiters on the staff. But you knew that there were other coaches on the staff that were sort of, you know, equaling that out by not recruiting very hard. You know, we know Clancy Pendergast was not a guy that was on the road very much. He didn't really recruit very much off campus. And he was more of a guy that, you know, when you got into in home visits and the official visits, then, you know, there was some more interaction there. But he was never a guy that built a relationship necessarily with a lot of recruits. You see, with a guy like Todd Orlando, he just makes much more of a person, an impression with his personality, um, just talking to kids. And, that's a big deal. And, and again, I think it's like, there's not really a really weak recruiter, like an overly weak recruiter or a guy that just doesn't recruit at all on the staff. So I think everybody sort of pushes each other. There's a little, maybe a competitiveness there. There's, there's just an energy there because everybody's sort of doing it. So even the guys that maybe they were dragging their feet a little more with the past staff that are still on the coaching staff. Now they kind of are pushed, because everybody else is making such an effort and you you can't be that weak link.
0: Yeah. Well, we uh we I started a thread a couple hours before we started uh uh recording and it we got a whole bunch of responses. So, should we just jump into some of these questions cuz we'll probably get to a lot of these topics?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk, and we're going to end up talking over probably a bunch of questions. So let's just answer the questions directly.
0: We did well. We did have one in uh, in my Google Doc that someone emailed in from before. So we'll start with that one. It's Paul in Vegas. It says, "Hey, Gerard, uh, I ask you this every year, uh, so here here it is again for this year. A football defense can never have too many good pass rushers. With that in mind, are there any good pass rushers in this class that have a reasonable chance of signing?" Thanks, Paul in Vegas.
1: Well, obviously, the number one recruit in California and one of the number one recruits in the nation is Corey Foreman. And Corey Foreman already committed to Clemson, uh, 6'4", 240-pound defensive end from Corona Centennial. He's a guy that is obviously a big-time pass rusher and and kind of a marquee player. And USC is still very much recruiting him. They're still very much involved uh, with his recruitment, and I, I don't think the door is necessarily shut on Corey Foreman with USC. Uh, There are other players that USC is recruiting, but I will say just in general, it's not a great year for pass rushers, and it's not a great year just even for defensive ends. USC just recently kind of went on an offer spree. It was last week where they offered uh, Landon Jackson, who's out of Texarkana, 6'6", 240-pound, weak side defensive end. It only offered three weak side defense events in the whole 2021 class. So that kind of tells you something. Uh, Damian Robinson is another guy that they offered, but he just committed to Maryland. He's from Maryland. He's a really good-looking football player, um, but you know, probably staying home. We might see more of that with kids staying home, and that will, I think, play a factor in with Corey Foreman's recruitment as well. We're just not there yet, um, but that, that may be something that I think sort of shakes out um but yeah, it's it's not a year where there's a, a terrible bunch of dudes that are just like, oh wow, you know, you can get four or five deep into the defensive tackle class or the defensive end class and you're still dealing with top four stars. So I, I don't necessarily see it as a as a big time year for guys that are pass rush specialists. Um you could always develop those players maybe from another position. Maybe there's some outside linebackers that USC has a shot at that could, you know, bulk up a little bit and they could end up being the defensive ends. We really have to also see what the defense looks like from that standpoint. Um, You know, we talk about the the three down linemen that they use in the tight front. Are they going to use four eye defensive ends that are actually like, uh, two gap defensive ends? Are they going to you know shift them a little more and use more of a, like a mint front where they have a five technique and a regular three technique, even though they've only got three down defensive linemen, and then they use that jack, or sometimes they call it the B-backer, to be sort of your primary weak side rusher, which, you know, that's a guy that USC has to develop on the roster, first and foremost, and I don't know if there's that guy in this recruiting class that they can get, you know, outside maybe of a Corey Foreman, you know, maybe there's a Rashawn Davis that possibly committed to LSU right now, four-star linebacker from modern day high school, a guy that I kind of like in the middle more than I like as an outside rusher. He does play a lot of outside rusher, edge rusher for modern day. But I think just in terms of his build, I, I kind of like him more as a middle linebacker or an inside linebacker, uh, whether it be in a, in, a, in a 34 hybrid like USC would run, or even a 4-3, I kind of would like to see him maybe play some Mike linebacker. He's a smart kid. He's, uh, he, he's got good awareness and space. Um, I don't know if he's got the length to be an edge rusher, especially if you're talking about a tight front, which, by the way, LSU runs. LSU runs a very sort of standard type front with the four eyes, the one shade, and then they got a guy like um, Chase on who they play on the outside, who's, you know, a six four, two 250 pound defensive end um, as that sort of B backer, a uh, jack linebacker. So your edge rusher has to be a guy that's legitimately able to pass rush one on one against an offensive tackle. And that's not something you can you just can't find it doesn't just grow on trees that's usually a weak side defensive end and a guy that's you know kind of that freakish athlete type guy a poor gustin type of guy um somebody that can really like i said beat a left tackle a good left tackle in a one-on-one situation and be a really good pass rusher, but also have the ability to back up into the curl or the flat route and play a little stand-up outside linebacker. So I, I think length is a big deal there. So when I look at some of these outside linebackers, my immediate thought is, okay, how tall is he? You know, how long are his arms? Because if you're six one, two hundred fifteen, two hundred twenty pounds, you're just going to get eaten up by that offensive tackle. He's just going to grab those big long arms around you, and you're not going to be able to really disengage from that block. So. That's the big question. That's the big issue. That's going to be a position that USC has to address on the current roster with evaluation and going forward. I don't know if there's anybody, like I said, outside, maybe a Corey Foreman who I think actually probably ends up moving down a bit more like a, a an outside linebacker or excuse me, a, a defensive end that would play on the edge in a five technique than a guy that I would necessarily put out there on the Island playing that Jack linebacker B linebacker spot. But That may be down the line i think you know initially probably freshman sophomore year he could be a guy that comes in and plays that position i mean we've heard that drake jackson might actually be put at that position which i don't agree with i don't like that move i don't think that he's a guy that i want to have playing in space and running around and trying to play an outside linebacker position not that i don't think He can do it and get away with it because he probably is the most natural pass rusher that USC has on the roster. The issue is I think that takes away from what he can do as a five technique, which I think is more of a natural position. And eventually maybe even being a three technique, which I think would ultimately be like the highest ceiling position for him if he was able to put 285, 290 pounds on.
0: We had a back onto the peristyle. Now the questions we posted on the peristyle, if you're not a member of uscfootball.com, you should jump in there. Now we always got specials and deals going on and uh, it's a great place to, to get information about what's going on. And Gerard's always posted on the peristyle. We put a thread, like I said earlier up Uh, it's the premium message board on uscfootball.com for our subscribers and a ton of subscribers jumped in there. SC made started things off. He has like three questions right away. So we'll try to nail them quickly. Uh first one is where does SC stand at defensive line for this class and who are the big targets?
1: Yeah, we kind of talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, I think interior defensive line is really a big question. Uh they have Jay Toya already committed from Grace Brethren, uh Simi Valley, uh six two, probably you know, three hundred and ten, three hundred and fifteen pounds. He's a good player, and, and you know, UCLA Uh, ASU there's a few schools trying to kind of get in there with him but USC is pretty confident They, you know he put out a I think a list of like a top eight or top 10 uh, maybe a month ago and it kind of almost implied like he was reopening his recruitment but he really isn't he's still committed to USC He just you know committed incredibly early committed like uh, just right out of his sophomore year because his cousin Stanley Tafu uh, committed to USC and so um, he sort of jumped in there and, and decided to, to, to commit as well. But, I mean, he was so young that he hasn't really taken many visits. He hasn't really looked around very much. So he, he wants to do that. USC knows he wants to do that, but he's still uh, very much committed to USC. Um, as I said before, I mean, it's really one of those things that right now it looks like USC is going to have to go out of state to get another, like a three technique, another defensive tackle. And they've, they've actually gone on a bit of an offer spree just lately, um, trying to get some of these kids um, Williams is a kid that they just offered last night. Uh, they also offered Anquin Barnes last night. Uh, Williams is from, uh, Manassas, Virginia. Uh, and that's, you know, coach Vic soto's you know, kind of his hood a little bit. He coached there at, at UVA. We've seen a, a really big uptick in scholarship offers going out to Virginia. So USC has been much more aggressive, uh, recruiting Virginia. And that has a lot to do with coach soto and, 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 not just you know at the defensive tackle position, but just kind of across the board, they've they've offered a lot more in Virginia. Uh, Barnes, guy from Alabama, Montgomery, Alabama, Robert E Lee High School. You figure Alabama, uh, Auburn are involved that's going to be a tough get. You know, those kids usually don't go too far away from home under normal circumstances. Uh, defensive tackles, I mean, you can go back to the Pete Carrera. Uh You offer a bunch of defensive tackles in the Southeast, and, I mean, the ratio of being able to land those guys is very low. So you're, you're putting some eggs in those baskets. You know, USC's trying to work a little bit. I think they probably would have a bit more success in the Northeast perhaps Texas. Interestingly enough, no defensive tackles from Texas have been offered uh, by USC in this class. So that's surprising because you would think, you know, outside of California, um, the one place that they are really sort of investing a lot of uh, resources into and have some connections is Texas. But, you know, I mean, I, maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's just a down year in Texas. I'm not really sure. I don't cover Texas, you know, specifically, uh, but there's no, no, defensive tackles in in Texas, and I don't even remember off the top of my head many guys from the defensive – even the strong side defensive – end position, uh, there being many guys from Texas that USC has offered. I know they offered Landon Jackson, like I said, from Texarkana. That was one of the first offers that went out on the defensive line. That was a kid from Texas. And uh, he's listed as a weak side defensive end, but he's 6'6", 240. So probably a guy that could definitely play like a five technique and would have his hand down on the ground and be playing more of a standard position. So, you know, I think USC really, this is kind of where they're trying to generate some interest they're going to have more offers go out. It was kind of slow going, and now I think they realize, okay, we're going to probably want another defensive interior defensive lineman and another defensive end at the minimum, and they've just got to sort of uh, cultivate some options here. So we'll see if there's maybe more um, options that come out, you know, as we go along. I know that uh, Derek Wilkins is a kid that you know they're on that I, I like a lot, six four, two hundred fifty pounds from Santa Margarita High School. I think he's a guy that he's a strong side defensive end but he could definitely end up putting on more weight and being more of an interior guy. Uh, It's an interesting defense that they play. I think you want to have three down defensive linemen that are all probably, you know, in that at least at 270, 280 pound range. Um, That's at least what I've seen from the teams that run that defense that are really good. And obviously you're talking about LSU talking about Georgia and those schools being in the Southeast, you know, they have defensive tackles down there that sort of grow on trees like, you know, California has quarterbacks that grow on trees. So it's easier for them maybe to run a three man front. We're going to see how it works for USC. We're going to see, you know, from a, from a, Personnel standpoint, whether this is a defense that they can run, that can be successful. Right now, USC is still living off that or 2017 recruiting class where they got Marlon, uh, Tui Polotu, Jay Tufele, and Brandon Peely. That was a huge class. That was a very rare thing where you're able to get three guys that are, you know, 200, you know, 90, 300 pound plus guys and you got them all in the same class. And so that, you know, they've only got maybe another year (laughs) and maybe two where they're going to have those guys and then they're going to have to be able to replenish them and they're going to have to find some some good players uh, that are big and and strong Um, and uh, maybe interior linemen that can pass rush. I don't know if that's necessarily uh, needed in this defense. That's the one thing that I saw with Texas and I've seen with some of the other schools. It's a little more of a body catcher defensive front. Uh, The guys are occupying blocks, but I think that was something that really hurt Texas last year, where they relied on some defensive linemen that were really just kind of engaged in blocks, and you didn't see those guys disengage very much. You didn't see much penetration. It was really all about the linebackers and the defensive backs blitzing, and that was where... The, the pressure was coming in the offensive backfield. I don't think you want that. I think you want a defensive line that could still be able to get upfield and get some pressure on the quarterback without necessarily having to bring uh, a ton of pressure from the defensive backfield.
0: All right. Uh, he also had a question. Any update on recruiting analysts and additional roles being taken off uh, the hiring freeze?
1: No, um, none at, at, at this time. I think the hiring freeze is still underway and until the university – Uh, decides to kind of get back to business as usual, I I think that's one of the things that's probably going to linger, you know, longer than anything else.
0: Yeah. Uh, And then his last one, he said, last question, Ryan, Uh, GM, do you see the new staff pushing Clay Helton to have more official visits during the season in order to fill the class on early signing day?
1: I do. I do. I think that, um, there's definitely just uh, – I, I again, I think you get a guy like Dante Williams in the mix. And this is why I said it was such a big deal for USC recruiting. Is some people scoffed at it. They didn't think that, oh, some coach and blah, blah, he's not going to do anything. I thought we meant we were going to get a five-star. Justin Flo was going to do. no, this is a bigger – there's a bigger picture to this. And when you get a guy like Dante Williams, who's been a great recruiter at multiple schools and he comes from Oregon, which obviously has a really good system – He's taking a lot of those strategies and a lot of those tactics. He knows what works and what doesn't work. This is why you know USC was good recruiting with T. Martin. He, he had he understood recruiting. He understood the the sort of back ends of it. And you got to always push for the advantage. You all got to always push for the 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 loopholes and the things that you can do from a compliance standpoint that other schools haven't figured out. You can do. And right now, obviously, from a communication standpoint. USC is leading. I mean, they're out there and they're recruiting hard and kids are feeling that and they're not feeling that from other schools. So I think you get a guy like that that just understands, you know, how important it is to recruit and he can stress that. Uh, I think, you know, Clay Helton, it's it's a bit of an eye-opener for him right now. I think, you know, and obviously with USC, they can be a bit myopic with recruiting. You know, you don't have football going on. You don't have spring ball going on. That, That was partly the issue with USC is that, during spring ball okay USC is focused on spring ball there's not really a lot of recruiting going on outside of trying to set up some unofficial visits and host some kids for practices and then you go through the summer and they get the camps and they're like okay we're focused on the camps now we're going to recruit hard and then once that's over at the end of June you have July which is basically a vacation temp, uh, period for for recruiting and it's a dead period um USC is just just off the radar. They just stopped recruiting. There was guys on that staff that just wouldn't talk to kids for like two months at a time. And then they get back into the season. And what's important. Well, the season, we got to win games. We're not worried about recruiting. We got to go win football games. So you have this stretch away from July to, you know, the the sending them their official offers on September 1st, which is not really much of a recruitment. It's just, you know, Hey, yeah, your offer that we gave you back in the spring, you know, we're going to give you in writing, Um, And and there was not really a lot of contact up until the end of the season where they're like, okay, wow, we need to start setting up our official visits because we want to have majority of our official visits after the season. I think that still stands. I think it's still in USC's advantage to have official visits later in the year because why? Because it's December and it's cold everywhere else. And you get to LA and you have those weeks where it's, you know, Santa Ana winds and it's 90 degrees in the Valley and it's 80 degrees and LA is beautiful. And so they want to kind of push that to that. And I understand that, but I think that getting in first has become much more important with the recruiting process, just getting your foot in the door, making that first impression and pushing and being more aggressive. The schools that have been more aggressive and have recruited harder uh, earlier in the year are taking advantage that the recruiting process has sort of been bumped up because you now have those official visits and you have that early signing period. Now this year that's up in the air. I feel that that's probably not going to be the case. I don't think there's going to be an early signing period. If there is an early signing period, I think a lot of kids eh, – if there is an early signing period, unfortunately I think there will probably still be a bunch of kids that commit, even though they haven't been able to take their official visits during the spring. I think kids are just committing early just to commit early. They get sucked up into it, and it's still going to be years before some of these kids that have done that have graduated, and then they figure out, and they, they start talking to these younger kids and go, "Yeah, you know what, I made the mistake of committing early when I shouldn't have. I signed you know, in uh, in in December, and I really should have waited till February. I think there's a there's some period of time that has to come through before that starts to trickle down to the kids that are high school football players now. Um, but whether there's going to be that actual early signing date, because you're not probably going to have a lot of official visits. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about May thirty first. That's the dead period. Right now, that's been the extended dead period. So you could still take official visits in June, but you know how's that going to work with July? Normally, this coaching staff would take vacation in July, but obviously, that's probably not going to be the same because they're on vacation, kind of, sort of, right now. Even though they're working, they're they're kind of on vacation. Um, the whole thing's going to be changed up quite a bit. But I think being more aggressive for sure. I think if everything would have been normal, I think you would have seen USC probably have some more dates early in the spring to have official visitors in. And for sure, I think that there's a couple dates that they want to have uh, more kids in. Obviously, you got to win football games. You don't want to bring them into an empty coliseum and people yelling, fire Clay Helton. That's an issue. But at the same time, I do think they would want to be more aggressive. And I think you would see um, a handful of kids probably uh, come in and officially visit during the season, which we haven't seen much of in the past few years.
0: Yeah, you might not have a choice because I don't think you could, you know, even if they, they don't have a dead period in June, if campus isn't open, you're not gonna have official visitors they're not like if the students can't be on campus for like summer sessions, you're not gonna bring in prospects to to visit campus. I would think i mean
1: yeah I, it's I don't know maybe it's, but it's it's totally up in the air. How many kids wanna take official i mean I think kids wanna take official visits, but you know their families obviously are jumping on planes. There's a lot of stuff that, you know, we have to see what happens here. It's going to be this next, you know, month and a half where we're really going to get a better perspective on where this, 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 the outbreak is, where the hot spots are. Um, do we have treatments that are no longer making this a death sentence for people? Uh, is, is there any talk of a vaccine coming in the fall? or Are we actually going to have to wait till next year? The vaccine is a big thing because that's the sort of, okay, That's the safety blanket. That's where people feel much more confident. That's where business gets back to normal because they don't fear contracting this virus and all the sort of variables that come out with it. There's so much misinformation out there about it that you know that's going to be the one thing to sort of say, okay, now we've moved beyond. We're moving beyond this, and and that obviously is going to take a long time. You're going to have first responders. They're going to get the vaccine first, and then it's going to go et cetera, et cetera. It's going to maybe be months before you and I and the fans listening are going to be in line to actually get a vaccine. So, I mean, it, the season itself to me is up in the air. I, I know a lot of people are very confident and they're like, Oh yeah, you know, the kids are going to come back in July, yada, yada, yada. If there's a season, it's going to be greatly augmented. I, I don't know that you're going to have people actually watching these teams. They may still show it just for the TV, you know, and, and, and they'll still be able to have uh, TV money and it'll still generate some economy for college football. Um, and that's going to obviously put people in some interesting situations, you know, if they want to be involved with that, because you still got a team full of kids and a uh, hundred people, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of people together. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, that's, that's, I, I hate to even get into conjecture and speculation about that stuff, because you and I aren't experts and, half of these damn people on TV aren't experts either. They're just doctors and they just throw them on TV and they start talking about, you know, this, this, this virus, like they know what's going on and they can project these models and all this other nonsense. So I hate to even bring it up on the podcast because I know people have had probably plenty of it. They've listened to plenty yeah. of it and they've read plenty of it.
0: Right. Uh, well, let's move on then. Gate call. He said for the other positions, uh, are there Garcia guys and Moss guys? He really- well, I mean, Jalen Smith is definitely a Moss guy. Um <laughs> he goes to school with him yeah.
1: and is a receiver at Elamani High School with Miller Moss. I think Jake Garcia has done a hell of a job. I will say this he's definitely an active recruiter, and he has been very much, you know, pushing the the group chats and reaching out to guys and getting on Twitter, and he's been pretty active uh as a recruiter. So I mean, certainly more so than Miller Moss, I think, even with the Outstate kids, you know, Jake Garcia has been um, a guy that's built relationships with some of these dudes. So, I mean, are there guys that are his guys? I, I think, you know, the receivers like the offense, the receivers uh, are, are really intrigued by Kaden Slovis and his development in the offense as a true freshman um, that game against UCLA was huge I've heard about that game from receivers and and quarterbacks and and anybody who's involved in the pass offense, you know, they talk about that four receivers uh, with a hundred yards receiving is, is kind of crazy. And, and that's what USC is selling. And that is what these recruits are buying. Now it's not a terribly great year for receivers in Southern California or California in general, you've got kind of, you've got Troy Franklin, who's the five-star up from Menlo Park uh, in, the, in Northern California. And USC's probably playing, you know, they're hey, top three, top two for him. Um, I think they've got some good traction with him, and I think the offense is really a big deal. If they're able to get on the field next year and you've got Kiddin Slovis as a sophomore, I think with that offense it's going to be just a lot more great passing game, and, and that's going to attract these kids. Uh, but um, outside of that, there's not a ton of, like, big-time guys that USC can really recruit locally. So they are going to have to probably, if they want to get top guys, four stars, guys in the top, two, four, seven, they're probably going to have to go out of state and start looking at guys. And we talked a little bit about uh, Quaidarius Darius Davis and his interest in USC. Um, there's some other guys, you know, from Texas and some other places that are definitely giving USC a look.
0: Let's go with Big Jim Trojan. He says, updates on the top skill position targets like Franklin and Cardwell.
1: Well, hey, I just talked about Franklin, so we got him out of the nice. way. Uh, <laughs> Byron Cardwell, uh, now he's from uh, Morse High School in San Diego. And um, a guy that I think USC was kind of working a little bit from behind with, it seemed like, when we talked to him at the Under Armour camp. He you know, said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to build a relationship with USC. I need to get up to USC more. He had not been to USC uh, for a while. I I think like he, he came up for a game maybe like early in his high school career or something. And it wasn't necessarily as a recruit. So he really had not had a lot of exposure to USC as a school and certainly not the USC coaching staff. I know USC has made a harder push for him in recent months. And I think that they're definitely in it for him. I think they're a top five school for him. Uh, but, uh, he's one of those guys that, you know, early on in the recruiting process, he was talking about Ohio State. He was talking about Michigan. He was talking about this school and that school out of state. Um, I think that's um, probably changed a little bit now, uh, but certainly I think USC has definitely put uh, more of a push on him. And um, I would venture to say top five, top six uh, USC's in it, but I wouldn't say that they're necessarily a leader right now. Uh, but of the guys that, you know, they're recruiting at the running back position, He's probably one of the top guys, you know, I mean, he's 6'1", 190, he's a bigger kid, Uh, he's got a little more size to him. Um, Farrell Brown is another guy that, uh, uh, or not Farrell Brown, I'm getting him mixed up with the old uh, (laughs) Oregon defensive end. Uh, Prophet Brown uh, is a running back that uh, USC's after, who um, was kind of like an off-radar guy, uh, a little bit of a... uh, uh, a, a kind of like a no-star, unranked kid, but he jumped up to a four-star in the last rankings, And he's a guy that's become one of the top, really, running back prospects and in, in, in most highly recruited running back prospects on the West Coast. I mean, he went from, like, being unranked to now he's, like, 175 nationally by 247. So um, another guy that USC's recruiting hard, um, he's got, you know, a few different schools out there. He's got Oklahoma after him. He's got ASU, et cetera. Um, but I think uh, that's another guy that USC is trying to make a push with um it's interesting because i mean there's not a lot of big backs and that's kind of with Cardwell specifically he's one of actually the bigger backs at 6'1 190 in terms of frame he's one of the bigger guys uh, but it's really a question you know going forward is that what USC is looking for do they do they do they really covet size in this offense do they are they looking for guys that are smaller more all-purpose backs um or do they kind of want you know to have a little bit of both i i personally would like to see them continue to have some guys that can move the change on third and three you know i think you look at vi or you look at step and those guys when they're in the lineup and it's third and, and, and three or third and two there's a big difference between what they can do and a guy like a stephen carr or a guy like uh you know even a, 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 a kid something yeah yeah, Kenny Christian, I I mean, that really made them very one dimensional, especially in the red zone. You know, and Kenny Christian's a very dynamic player, but you know, he's five ten, five eleven at the most, hundred eighty pounds. And But those there's gonna are gonna be kind of guys
0: Jenks has had though, right? Like Jenks hasn't really had the big guys. Yeah. And and I but I think perhaps it's an eye opener when you get a guy like
1: Marquis step in there and he's able to beat that 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 one-on-one tackler at the line of scrimmage and break that tackle and be able to get, you know, 2 or 3 yards just because of his lean. That's important. That's a big deal. I don't care if you're running an air raid or you're running a, a veer offense, you you do need to have a guy that can break a tackle and so it's interesting to see how much they will value those guys if they feel like they need to go out and get a bigger back, because they have Brandon Campbell committed, who's 5'10", 190. He's not a small running back. He he runs with physicality. There's a a highlight clip on his highlight reel at 42nd mark where he breaks like eight tackles. To get in the end zone i mean he just it, it's just the whole defense meets him at the line of scrimmage and he just spins and turns and and drives his legs until he gets into the end zone so he's a guy that's got some physicality to him but he's not Marquis step and he's not vimele Pai in terms of just the size you know where you've got 220 25 pounds behind you and you can run behind your shoulder pads so we'll see i mean cardwell is the only guy that sort of could end up being like that, you know, 210 pounds by the time he gets into college and he's, you know, a sophomore. Uh, the rest of these guys, whether it's Prophet Brown or or, or uh, Seven McGee, who USC is recruiting very hard as well. Um, those guys are more a little smaller; they're a little more scatbackish, and um, they fit the offense. But again, you're going to lose you know, at least two of those guys in the future. You're going to lose Vi, and you're going to lose Stephen Carr. Um, you would like to see USC interject a little bit of uh, size into the offensive backfield because they're really only going to take two running backs uh, this this class.
0: And then his second uh, big Jim Trojan second question was uh, we're in a top, we're in a fight for the top offensive lineman out West with Oregon are any are any of those guys tipping in our favor at this moment.
1: Um, tipping in USC's favor, I think Bram Walden is the one guy that USC has still a a pretty decent shot at. Um they're working on him and I think he was an organ lean, a heavy lean at one point, and I think USC made up a lot of ground with uh, that unofficial visit that he took right before the dead period uh took place, you know, that basketball game against UCLA. And so I think Bram Walden is a four star, six four, two hundred and seventy pounder guy that uh, plays offensive tackle, but probably could play a little guard as well. Um, he's one guy that you know, Oregon's after, and, and I think was a Alina Oregon, that USC still has a very good shot at. Uh, Kingsley, Sua, so, uh, Mataiya, kind of, sort of, still, I think, a a, a a lean towards Oregon pretty heavily. You know, he's from Oregon. or He's from Orem, which uh, – Orem, Utah, which is where um, – uh, the Sewell brothers are from. And so there's some connection there with Oregon, and they've been recruiting him pretty hard. And Oregon recruits well on the offensive line because their head coach is an offensive line coach. So they're always going to prioritize that, and they're always going to use that, you know, as hey, you know, we really get offensive linemen. Look what we've done with Pennis Um, And that's sort of what they want to kind of hang their hat on. Uh, it's going to be interesting this year because they're not going to have that quarterback. And they're going to have to try to break in somebody new with an offense, which is, you know, it's really made more and tailored more towards the run and being conservative. But I think uh, Justin Huber got them out of a lot of trouble in some games last year that they're not going to have here in the near future. So, and that's a problem in terms of them recruiting. they have recruited well, but you've got to recruit quarterbacks and they haven't really recruited any quarterbacks very well. And you got to recruit some receivers. And because of that offense, it's not necessarily the best offense for a guy that's looking to pass the ball or catch the ball. So that's sort of compared to where USC is it's sort of, you know, the scheme itself really hurts them to some extent. Um, but it helps them with the offensive linemen. So that's the one position where I think USC is always going to be sort of in a battle. As long as Oregon can be competitive and can be good, uh, and can turn out offensive linemen that are that are that are getting you know NFL looks. They will continue to recruit offensive linemen well. But yeah. like I said, it's one of those things that they have to continue to win games. And then if you're not getting the quarterbacks, which USC could run a pro style offense and and be run heavy. There's so many quarterbacks in Southern California. You're still going to get a good guy. You know, you're just it's just going to happen. You're going to get get you know Carson Palmer, or you're going to get Matt Leiner, or you're going to get Matt Castle, or you're going to get one of those guys just almost by accident. But in Oregon, you kind of have to really push to get a top quarterback there. So it's tough. They're in in an interesting situation, and we'll see if there's a season this year how they end up playing with a new quarterback.
0: Uh, Crown City posted, Are the offers going out from the new staff predominantly a result of previous relationships from prior university associations or new research and outreach interested in how this work sets USC up for future recruiting impact in 2021 and beyond. I think
1: it's a little bit of both. Um, we talked about Vic Soto and his connections and having recruited the East coast and specifically Virginia. Uh, that is obviously holding true where I think a lot of those scholarship offers are guys that he knew uh, when he was coaching at Virginia um there's been other instances. I mean, Landon Jackson, going back to him, the defensive end from Texas Uh he was originally offered a scholarship by Todd Orlando when he was at Texas. So his relationship with the staff actually began at Texas and now is carried over to USC where uh you know he's talking to Todd Orlando but now he's talking to Vic Soto as well. So it's it's both. There's there's a process in which they're teleconferencing. They all have guys that they're evaluating from a position standpoint. And it's really recruiting by position right now. They're sort of, uh, I uh, chucked the recruiting by area. And this is odd because I've always been a little critical of that. I like recruiting by area. First and foremost, I definitely think coaches should have territories and should have responsibility for those territories. But in this situation, because you have no evaluation process, uh, outside of you know watching film, there's no process where you're going to have May valuations where the coaches can be on campus and they can go to those high schools and they can meet those kids and they can go to those areas where they have connections and use those connections to be able to find more kids. And then you get to the other side of the summer and then that sort of handoff from the, the area coach to the position coach happens. That's always been the way that USC did it with Pete Carroll and I think that's the most successful way that most schools do it. But in this scenario, because you don't have those main evaluations and you don't have a lot of in-person, we're not even sure if there's going to be football camps. So in terms of verified numbers and in terms of actually seeing kid, and okay, is he really 6'5", 300 pounds, or is he really more like 6'3", you know, 270? There's a big difference between those two different kids when you're looking at an offensive tackle. So that process has now kind of been chucked. So USC has gone straight into position recruiting, which they've been doing for a while, And, but now I think it's to their benefit because you want to have that position coach and build that relationship with those kids for as long as possible, because that's the guys that they're going to be playing for. And that ends up being, when it comes to making a decision, a bit more important for the kids. They want to know who the position coach is. They want to be comfortable with him. They want to be comfortable with the scheme. And then they want to be comfortable with the environment and everything going on on campus. Um, So USC kind of has those those things broken up where, you know, the position coaches are all looking at different guys. They have a group of guys every week that they're going to be watching film on. And then they get together and teleconference and pound the table for whoever they want to get an offer with. And then they watch film together as a staff. And I don't know how this is actually happening, but evidently there's like a video conference where they, they all kind of get together and talk about who we're watching this week. And who's your guy and who's your guy that thinks that, you know, that you think is going to get offered or should be offered. And so that's kind of the process in which it's going. So there's been guys that they don't have any relationship with USC prior. They don't have any relationship necessarily with the, with the staff that they've offered just because they're watching film. But then there's other guys that's, Hey, you know what? I forgot. I offered this kid when I was at Virginia, um, you know, check him out. You know, we offered him Virginia. I really like him. I think he can play here too. And then, you know, there's, there's that sort of gap with the two schools.
0: All right. Uh, we had The next two questions are about quarterbacks. I'll read them both. Alex, USC6, what's the latest on adding a second quarterback to the class? And then Arizona, Italian, it's generally accepted that USC wants two quarterbacks in the class. Given the obvious usual challenges of bringing in two top Elite 11 caliber quarterbacks in the same class, What do you think USC's strategy is for getting two?
1: Well, yeah, they're getting two. The strategy is to get the two guys that they want. I don't know that there's any, okay, we're going to get Jake Garcia. He's a four-star, so the next guy we got to get is a three-star so we can have them both in the same class. I don't know if there's any approach to it that way. I know USC was recruiting Sawyer Robertson very hard, um, and he actually came out on an unofficial visit to L.A., and liked L.A., but just recently committed to Mississippi State. Um, He's a, you know, Mike Leach fan. I think USC still recruiting Soy Robertson. I I don't get the sense that USC has necessarily pivoted away from their quarterback recruiting prior to the dead period. Um, You haven't seen any new scholarship offers go out. There's a bunch of kids locally that you could offer scholarships to. Perhaps they're waiting to see if there is a summer camp because you could see those kids in person. And certainly when it comes to local kids, you're going to get a bet much better idea of who's developed and who's, you know, got upside and just everything. I mean, that's, that's there's not really many better venues to be able to evaluate than to have a quarterback come to your camp. And so, you know, you got Jake Garcia there. Uh, They like Jake Garcia. I think they want to keep Jake Garcia. Everybody talks about Miller Moss. I don't see Garcia and Miller Moss being in the same class personally. I think USC is going in another direction. It's just a matter of, you know, do they keep after Sawyer Robertson and think that they can get him away from Mississippi State? Are there other players there that have already been offered that maybe they're recruiting that they feel like they have a better shot at than the national experts do? And I know there's some guys that are already offered that they have pretty good contact with and they're still talking with and perhaps you know maybe they're committed to other schools or they're kids that you just don't hear about in the thick of it with usc that obviously usc feels uh some some confidence in because you have like i said you have when you start to see other offers go out and there's a slew of players in southern california that they could still offer that are good players um until you see that you kind of have the sense that they are continuing to do what they were doing you know, before Sawyer Robertson committed, um, before the recruiting dead period. They're still on that track in terms of recruiting a second quarterback.
0: All right. Uh, Arizona Italian also says, given that we only returned two scholarship running backs, why only going after two in the 2021 class? And he puts in parentheses, how many running backs do, quote, air raid offenses carry? Only four scholarships or thoughts there
1: yeah I mean it it, I think a the offense I think dictates that they're not going to recruit as many running backs Um, because I was surprised when I heard there was really no interest in going into the draft uh, transfer porthole to be able to get uh, a running back I thought that was you know an option and it did not seem like that was something being really heavily considered Uh, so I was surprised at that. So that told me, okay, they're comfortable with four running backs. They have five technically, because they have a walk on with the scholarship, but four guys that they recruited out of high school that are scholarship running backs. And when you saw last year, it made them very one dimensional when they lost three of those guys. Now that's not necessarily typical, but that can happen. I mean, you've seen lots of schools where you get, I mean, running back is a position where you're going to have some attrition. So, I I was a little surprised at that, but I think maybe that's just sort of telling us where they want to take the offense and maybe become more of a traditional air raid offense in the future. Um, Because yeah, they're going after two. I think in this class, it's not necessarily, you'd have to really strike gold to get three, I think, and, and feel like you're getting three good players. I mean, to get three, four stars in this class would be, would be tough. I mean, you'd have to, Basically, hold on to Brandon Campbell, get seven McGee, who's a bit of a running back receiver. He's not a guy you're going to hand the ball off to, you know, 15 times a game, Uh, but he could get some carries and USC is still recruiting him pretty hard. Uh, And then you'd have to get like a Byron Cardwell or, or Prophet Brown or maybe some other out of state guy. But it's not a great year for running backs. It's not one of those years where, you know, you're going to get a, a, a Reggie Bush, Lendell White and Chauncey Washington. And by the way, Whitney Lewis, who could end up playing running back, he had a thousand yards uh, rushing and receiving. So, I mean, you know, you get four guys there that you're like, okay, they're four and five star guys, all of them. And they could all end up playing running back. It's not that type of year. Um, but it is an interesting thing because you can, as a, as an offense that passes the ball a lot, you can sort of walk that line with the seven McGee and say, you know what, you know, you're going to play some slot, but you're going to play some running back too. Brandon Campbell, we're going to play you at running back, but you can also play some slot. So you're basically selling, you know, two positions to three different guys if you're trying to get three guys. Or in, in this case, I think two is the magic number for them. Um, you know, if they have that ability to get three guys, would they take it? I think possibly. I think, you know, it It, it always comes down to where are you taking that spot from another position? You know, are you taking that spot from offensive linemen? Do you feel like that offensive lineman would be better? Do you need that offensive lineman? If you're trying to try to take four offensive linemen, you say, well, let's just take three so we could take three running backs. Uh, you know, that's that becomes the question. But yeah, two is sort of the number for sure. And they kind of have to take two because I think they really – should have taken at least one last last class, yeah, um but I don't get the sense that there's a lot of urgency there, and I think that has a lot to do with the offense and 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 kind of what the philosophy of the offense is
0: all right a uh, couple of questions i'll group together again t w p Trojan can we flip uh Foreman and Davis and Peter Edelstein? What are our chances with Foreman and Davis? yes.
1: Uh, I think Davis actually when it shakes out they might have a better shot at him than Corey Foreman and not to say they don't have a good shot at Corey Foreman Corey Foreman's family is very pro SC with everything going on I think it definitely gives USC an even better shot than they had before and I think they all still had a shot at Corey Foreman um, even before uh, quarantines and, and, and everything going on with travel Um but I think with Davis, probably maybe even a little better shot. So I, I think they can flip those two. Um, Corey is a different guy, though. I mean, he's a different kind of kid, and he's, you know, he was looking to to, to, to get out there to Clemson, and and I, I, he said, you know, he just had this special feeling, et cetera, et cetera. USC's got to get him on campus and get that special feeling with him there, and that's one of those things. Some of these IE kids, man, they they will take a five hour flight. Uh, more than they'll take an hour and a half, two-hour drive. And it's weird. I mean, you get Gary Bryant's a kid that was a Corona kid. He was down there uh, at SC all the time. They got him on campus all the time. Uh, but, you know, with Corey and some of the other kids that are out here, they don't get to campus very much. USC's got to get a better job of doing that. That's a big sort of, you know, you, one of the things that has to improve is local kids, you know, even from Northern California, just everywhere, you get these kids on campus more. You can't have a kid taking multiple unofficial visits to LSU and he's only been to campus at USC like twice during the year. know that's no good. You need to figure out what LSU is doing and you need to be able to do it from an Uber standpoint or whatever. I mean, get a helicopter, do something, get them on <laughs> campus more often and get that vibe and get them feeling like, you know, they could turn things around for USC and they could be, you know, the Sean Cody of the 2021 uh, recruiting class.
0: Uh Mr. G Gray says, besides Corey Foreman, who are the big names out of the Inland Empire USC should know? Well, there's no
1: there's no really big time guys outside of Corey. You know, there's not like a plethora of players. Um being David Gusta, um who's out of uh he's not from Reno Valley. where's he from? There's a couple kids. I mean, you've got Johnson Flo, who's still at Upland, um, who is uh, Justin Flo's little brother, who USC has offered. I don't know kind of how he fits in with USC uh, right now in terms of um, he's he's more of a Sam linebacker, I think, in my view. He's not a guy that I would really want to play at safety, even though it's kind of where he started out. He's not Justin. You know, he's just not that that type of player. He's not that level of player. Um, I think he's, he's a good player. He's a good high school football player. Uh, but again, I think in terms of fit with USC and it comes to outside linebackers, you're looking for a guy that's a defensive end that could stand up and play in space. So a guy that's at six, four, you know, and and he's got long arms, but he can potentially back off the line of scrimmage and play in the curl route or play in the flats. Um, and then on the other side, you're usually going to use a star back, which is going to be a bigger safety. You really want to recruit a guy who's a safety who can put on 215 pounds, 220 pounds, and be a guy that can play near the line of scrimmage. That is what I've seen from the successful tight defensive fronts that have been used by other schools. And even with Todd Orlando, whether it be at Houston or at Texas, that's mainly what they did. They used a lot of three uh, three safety dime package, uh, defenses at at Texas. And, and, you know, some of that probably had to do with the the past happy offenses that you get in the big 12. Um, but I think some of that also had to do with just sort of the evolution of his defense. And he likes to bring guys from a lot of different angles and he likes to bring smaller, quicker guys to attack. And that tends to be safeties. Uh, but bigger safeties, and he had some really good good players uh, at Texas at safety. I mean, you got uh, B.J. Foster, um, uh, Brandon Jones. You had some dudes that were like big-time dudes coming out of high school. So, obviously, you want to get as many of those guys on the field as possible as well. But I think you'll see some of that at USC, you know, where you're going to be using maybe three guys at safeties and only – um, you know, two corners, true, true corners, you know, that nickel is going to be more of a safety. He'll be a guy like Tillanova who plays around line of scrimmage. So with Jonathan Flo, I don't think he's that guy. I think he's a little more of a four, three Sam linebacker. You know, he's a guy that'll end up being like 220 pounds, but he's not necessarily going to fit that star back role, which is kind of a safety first that grows in to being a linebacker rather than vice versa. Uh, but outside that, there's not a lot of guys – a lot of the kids now in the Inland Empire are, are going to modern day They're going to play – you know, they're, they're, they're going to these schools that are Bosco, that, but they're Inland Empire kids. They're from Ranch Cucamonga. They're from Norco, um, et cetera. Uh, so it's, it's not a, a very deep year um, at face value in the Inland Empire. Um, you know, Centennial will have their guys. Brandon Alvarez is a good receiver out of Centennial. But in terms of, like, USC-level guys, you know, Corey Foreman's is kind of the dude. It's not like last year we had CJ Stroud and you had Justin Flo and all those guys.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. We're over an hour and we really have barely scratched the surface. So we'll probably have to try to rapid fire some of these. I uh, apologize, but there's just still a lot left. Um, it, we kind of talked about this Epic Ruben. Essie took six offensive linemen in 2020. But based on what I've read and the film I've seen, 2021 class looks stronger. We seem to have more options. How many offensive linemen does SC take in this class? I've marked at least seven OL that SC could get.
1: Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a better year. And actually it's a, it's a pretty good year when you start to dig and you, you know, we haven't seen a lot of these kids in person yet. And that, that's one of those things where you, you want to see a guy who's six seven two eighty five, 285. And it's like, okay, that's, that's a, that's a nice, you know, profile for an offensive tackle. And then you see him in person, you go, okay, but he's got two left feet. He's just no way he's playing offensive tackle. But you do dig in, and there's some big bodies out there on the West Coast. And there's guys that are sort of, sort of unknown guys that um, you're intrigued by and you want to see more of, uh, whereas last year there just wasn't. There just wasn't even some big bodies that you really liked. Uh, so I think three to four is what you're looking at. I think you could take four guys for sure and, and have a really solid class Um, Maximus Gibbs is another guy that, uh, I think right now, and we're talking about, uh, guys that could commit to USC, uh, in the near future. That's a name that, uh, SC fans should definitely know about, uh, 360 pounds, six, five plays for St. John Bosco. You know, he's trying to get his weight, right. He's trying to, you know, develop into a guy that can, that can play every down, um, at the college level, especially if you're talking about a no huddle type defense. Um, but, uh, they've already, already got Mason Murphy and they're you know, recruiting, they're recruiting well, they've got some, they've got some options there as, as the, uh, the question implied, I I think though that, yeah, you're in the three or four type range and it it depends on that fourth guy who he is. And again, maybe you have a shot at taking a third running back. Um, that maybe is a bigger deal. You're going to lose three, uh, from graduation and then you're probably going to lose Elijah Tucker. So I think that that's why there's a potential, you know, four man class.
0: All right, uh, fan of Troy had questions about running back, offensive lineman, and Corey Foreman. We talked about all those, so sorry, going to skip yours. Uh, Vegas guy, Paul, are we looking for a balanced class position wise, or do we have positions we are targeting, or are we trying for best prospects available?
1: I mean, it's all of the above. Then, and USC can have, I think, a much more balanced class this year because you're talking twenty one, twenty two rides i think right now um it could be more than that kind of just depends you know obviously with the transfer portal and all that kind of stuff that that sort of leaves a little bit of a an asterisk next to that number but that's you know probably a good 22 maybe guys that you could get in this class and so that's always going to allow you to be a bit more balanced but at the same time yes, there are certain positions that you have to address. You have to draft a safety position. You didn't take any defensive backs last year and you're potentially going to lose two starters. So you've got to get some safeties. Um, receiver, not so much, not, not so much of a big deal. You can take a gamble at receiver, you know, take, you're probably gonna be able to take two, three guys. So, yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't have necessarily a, a huge need because you have some good young players that are on the roster right now at receiver. Um, as opposed to maybe running back where you have to take two guys, maybe you could take three. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a little bit of both. There's going to be more balance to this class for sure than last class, but there's definitely going to be some positions that you have to hone in on and you want to make sure you get those needs taken care of.
0: Uh, Gusiach, I think you say with uh, T- Tyler Katoa, I think it means Tyler Katoa coming back to USC. How does he fit in with the new defensive scheme? And is he someone the team should expect production from this year?
1: Middle linebacker, I think um, he should probably play Mike, and, and and maybe maybe he could play a little Will, but you know it can depend on what kind of shape he comes back in. Obviously, I wouldn't think that he would be a contributor or a guy that you would expect to necessarily play a whole lot. Um, I think you're looking more at uh, Goforth being a guy that I think is sort of a, a under the radar player um, that. Uh, I would think might be the guy that if if you know the first the the, the first level guys of um kanai Monga and Palier Gotiote are, are not able to play inside or or whatever. They move somebody around or something. I, I think Goforth is gonna be the guy that um surprises some people.
0: All right. Uh P. Polly along the same lines. Katoa is coming back, but let's face it, he's been gone for two years from football. Davis has committed elsewhere. Uh Calvert is far from a sure thing. It seems on its face we're not really pushing hard at the linebacker position, or are we? Yeah, linebacker position has been a position where they have there's not a
1: ton of offers out there that make you go, oh, okay, yeah. You know, that they're they're really getting ahead um and 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 pushing hard. Um I think Calvert, they lead for Calvert. I think that is is one guy that they've really circled the waggons on and they feel good about, and maybe that's part of it. Um, and he's a really good player. So you have him, like I said, Rajon Davis is still going to be around. There's the, the, he's not gone necessarily. He's committed to LSU. Um, if USC can win some games and it can do some things, uh, I think Rayshon Davis is definitely a guy that, that they will have a shot at. Um, so maybe that's reflective of why you haven't seen necessarily, uh, a, a bigger push or more aggression in trying to get linebackers. They've been pretty aggressive with the twenty twenty two class, but yeah, not so much with the twenty twenty one class.
0: All right, OCSJ Trojan fan, Davis Smith, Beavers Bullock. Who is next to sign? You well, mean next to commit? I get. He probably no. means next to commit. Yeah, there's no one signing. Okay. No <laughs> that's one that's signing right now. But
1: <laughs> yeah, nobody's nobody signing right now. Uh, that would be the early, 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 early uh, signing period if, if guys were signing right now. Um, the next to commit, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that, I, that I'm uh, ready to reveal. Um, <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, just, let's just say that, uh, you know, we made our crystal ball picks and we talked about guys recently, and I think uh, anybody on the peristyle will be able to figure that out. So that's, I'm leaving it at that.
0: Okay. And then one more thing, are they taking 25 in this class? He wants to know.
1: I don't think they're going to get to 25. I think that's a bit, that's a high number. Um, Like I said, I think 21, 22, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I don't think so. All right. So I don't think you're going to actually take a full 25 in this class.
0: Chief Trojan, how has the addition of more recruiting support staff enabled the coaching staff to evaluate and offer more recruits?
1: man, it's just allowed, I think, everybody to focus in on their job and do their job really well. You have much less overlap where their support staff is is working with three different coaches, trying to help three different coaches recruit, you know, 30 different kids or do 30 different things and organize this and do this. And, you know, it. it everybody's allowed to focus and be a little bit more op- myopic on getting certain things done. Like, okay, we're, we need to focus on this position. Let's offer these guys. Let's get, you know, on the phone with these guys. Let's make sure that we're contacting them regularly. Uh, the support staff is always really good about social media. They're good about backing up uh, what the assistant coaches do and maintaining and just making reminders, um, just being on top of of who they're talking to and what they're saying to those kids. There's a lot that goes on with the communication process with recruiting and I think, you know, when you don't have a bunch of support staff and this really, it becomes even more important. Once you get into the season, once you get into fall camp, once you actually have all these other things, you have camps going on where there are multiple things going on at once. And the assistant coaching staff, they want to focus on football. You need that support staff to be able to focus on recruiting. And so that's a, that's going to be a huge asset even more as it goes along. But we've already seen it pay dividends, even in this period where again, I think it's just a matter of, communication making sure everybody's on the same page and just having you know just more minds and more people aware of what's happening and and who who's who's you know who's offered who um who talked to the mom did we talk to the mom today did we talk to this kid do we okay we got to call this kid again and just being on top of it and being consistent that's i think it's done a lot
0: yeah i agree with you uh let's see we're gonna go to Hot pie. Uh, Why no emphasis on tight end recruiting? Wolf uh, will be the only guy around in 21, and I don't see Ray as a tight end. Georgia took D. Washington last year, and according to Blair Angulo, looked to be in the lead for Molokai, Motavo, and Bowers.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know how that plays out. Brock Bowers is a guy that did camp at USC and um, got a scholarship offer, and then has kind of just he, he's kind of dropped USC from his top list of schools, uh, so that's interesting. I mean, he was being I think he was being recruited by John Baxter, um, but you know I think uh, John David Baker is probably a better recruiter. I haven't really followed up on that. It, it's it's interesting. Obviously, the offense itself perhaps are just kind of going away from the tight end position to some extent. Um, but it's not like they haven't offered any tight ends in the 2021 class either. I mean, you've got guys like, I mean, I, I, a guy that I am, I love, and I don't know. what. To, I mean, maybe like, again, sometimes there's great issues. There's things you just, you don't know about because it's a kid outside of your region. You're just not familiar with his recruitment, but there's a kid named Devin Martin out of uh, Mesquite, Texas, who's six five, two hundred forty 240 pounds. I drafted him in our USC 2021 class draft. Uh, which, if you guys haven't checked this out, there's a lot of people that maybe didn't like it initially because we were drafting. Basically, was there's there was a lot of different parameters in terms of how we could draft, who we could draft. Um, but you know, early on, we were getting guys that were like, you know, Travis Lee, uh, Lay, who's you know one of the top offensive tackles, and it was one of those things where Chris Trevino and I are recruiting from this sort of pool that USC guys are recruiting, but we're drafting them. So we're just taking them. So it's, it's a little bit of showing you what the importance is in terms of what we think is in, in need and getting certain positions, the players that we like the best, just nationally that USC is recruiting. But as you get into the later rounds, you start to see where you're talking more about the guys that USC probably has a shot at. And I don't really know a whole lot about Devin Martin, but I'm watching film of all these different players, seeing who I should draft. Devin Martin is a player. He's only a three-star, but he is just really good on film. And he's kind of a, a Mike Williams type in that he, he moves really well. He plays receiver. He's not really a tight end so much as he plays receiver. And um, he he's just really freakishly looking good. I, and, again, I don't know. Maybe he's got some grade issues or something else going on but he's he's a dude that I would think that would be really good in USC's offense as a tight end. More of a hybrid type guy, more of a guy that's not necessarily a straight-up in-line tight end, um, but a dude that's got a huge body and can catch the football. And USC's offered some of those guys. Elijah Arroyo is another guy that they've offered. They've offered a few of those guys. They've offered some standard in-line tight ends as well. So it's not like they're completely getting away from the idea of using a tight end, um, but how important is it? you know, when they start talking about, well, you know, Drake London was kind of our tight end uh, last year, you know, he was our receiving tight end, which, you know, doesn't make sense to me because Drake London isn't a tight end. He never played tight end just because he's a bigger receiver doesn't mean he's a tight end. Um, But that's sort of been their, their philosophy. And that's kind of what they've recruited with some of the bigger receivers. So I see a guy like Devin Martin, I say that's a perfect fit for that. So, yeah, I mean, have they de-emphasized, They've offered guys in this class, so it's not like they've completely got away from it. It's just a matter of, you know, one of the top guys in the state is no longer looking at them. That's just one of those things where I I just have to figure out if, you know, maybe USC's is not that high on them. I mean, sometimes that happens where, you know, there's a guy that's ranked really high by the recruiting services, but um, they're not necessarily high on USC's board. It happens.
0: Uh, This one, I got a bone to pick with beat ND. You can't ask questions of giving Gerard these long answers, and this is going to be one. USC needs DBs, a need that could become uh, especially acute in the 2021 season. Of the ones that you feel USC has a, quote, real chance with, who would be your top four or five? You can't ask them for top four or five. Come on, you're going to get 10 out of them. <laughs> it's going to take an hour. You know this beat ND1. Come on. Oh, I'm just kidding. But go, what do you think, Gerard?
1: That's
0: a tough <laughs>
1: question. Um, I mean, if I have my – I can just pick whoever – I mean, I tell you one guy, Nealon Green is going to be, like, at the top of the list. Um, I don't know that that's a guy that USC has a really good shot at, though. But that's a kid that, again, I won't go back to that 2021 draft that we had, and I was I probably reached on him. But, man, you got a guy that's like 6'2", almost 6'3", 185 pounds, and you watch him on film, man, that kid is good. He's got a little Jalen Ramsey in him. Um he was under the radar too when USC offered him. he was only a three star, and that didn't last long because the new rankings came out and he bolted like up to being like I think like the fourth rate right corner in the nation or something like that. so uh yeah the 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 rankings guys saw what I saw. Uh, but in terms of guys that USC has a good shot at, they're going to have a good shot at Caleb Bullock, and I really like Caleb Bullock. I think he's a a, a top player, and I, I think he's definitely a safety. I think some of the guys that USC's recruiting that they have good a shot at that are safeties are actually rated as athletes. Um, I don't really know why Caitlin Bullock is rated as an athlete. He seems like he's a, a safety for sure. Um, I like Jalen Smith a lot. They have a great shot at Jalen Smith. I think Jalen Smith probably plays nickel corner. Um, he could potentially play single high safety, but that's a guy that I really like that's uh, – I think a guy that USC has a really good shot at. Um, I don't know if they have a shot at Jansen Dunn uh, from Bowling Green, Kentucky, but another guy that I drafted in my draft, and I love his film. Um, He is a really good football player, plays well on offense and defense. He could play receiver even. Uh, He'd be one of the better receivers USC was recruiting if they got him. Uh, But that's a really good player that I like as well. I I think, you know, Zamarian Gordon would be on that list. I think you know he's he's certainly a guy that USC got committed. I think you know with with what's available at the safety position, um, I'm a fan of his. I think you could definitely take him. They've got a, a decent shot at Sierra right. Um, it, it, it's I think I think Washington is there. I, I don't. That's going to be an interesting one. That's how how hard did they recruit him as opposed to a guy like Jalen Davies? Because I think in this class you're taking two cornerbacks and you're taking three safeties. Jalen Smith is going to be sort of the wild card there because he can play both. So I think you're looking at two safeties plus Jalen Davies. And then you're probably taking one or two other guys. It's again, that where you get to, you have to start to go, okay, that player, that fourth guy, maybe that fifth guy, how good is he opposed to maybe taking a third running back, taking the fourth off lineman, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think, but I, I think Davies, is a guy that they have a very very good shot at um, as a pure corner, and I think Jalen Smith, I think Zamirian Gordon, um, they're going to get probably Anthony Beavers as well. Um, you know that that's kind of sort of the group of guys that they're going to probably that's that's the group that they look like they're in a good shot at, at basically basically being able to get. And I think um, I mean I named the guys that I liked out of that group.
0: All right, uh, that that wasn't too bad. So that that's a forget it, beat ND one. That's fine. That worked. Um, uh Charmack, I think that's how you say his name, uh with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh is the staff hearing anything about SoCal kids that signed elsewhere, especially to out-of-state schools, having second thoughts about staying closer to home instead? It's the can we still get Justin Flo
1: or uh uh Bryce Young <laughs> question. <Yeah. laughs> that's really what that's really what we're asking here. <laughs> um Not really. Um, that, that sort of happened. I mean, I don't even know if these kids are actually on campus at those schools right now. Like is Bryce young, I guess he's at Alabama because his family was moving to Alabama. Um, so I guess he would be in Alabama right now. I'm not really sure. I haven't really, you know, it's kind of water under the bridge really for me. We're kind of looking at 2021 and not kind of looking back. Uh, those are one of those things that you just sort of hear out of nowhere. All of a sudden, Hey, you know, I hear Bruce McCoy is <laughs> looking to leave Texas. And you're like, are you kidding me? Is that serious? Are you trolling me? Um, so we haven't heard that yet about, you know, any of those players. Um, obviously there would be potential there. I mean, you, 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 hope that this doesn't augment things, uh, that way, you know, somebody's family gets sick or something and they have to come back home and it, it changes, you know, where they're going to go to school. Um, so, no, I, I haven't heard anything about that, no. All
0: right. Um, best Lakers fan. Had a question about the DB class and stuff, so I think you already went over that. Uh, Reggie Bush graduates. Uh, last year was was a disaster, but this year, at this early juncture, USC is one of the hottest recruiting schools in the country, with some rec- recruits even saying that they're the hardest working group uh, and out recruiting other powers. Question: How many of these early commits and heavy leans can we expect to actually stick uh, with this increased recruiting effort, even if the team ends up only ends up winning eight games again? And would a top recruiting class this year make up for all of for the misses from last year on the kids like Justin Flo and Bryce Young?
1: No, and no. <laughs> yeah. They they have to win games. They have to win some football games. They can't just go out there and be mediocre again and, and and get spanked by Oregon and get spanked by Notre Dame and show that they have no business being in the same stadium as Alabama. You can't do that. Uh, you're not going to get a good recruiting class doing that. And then, you know, obviously Clay Helton will be on the chopping block again. Uh, and and they'll be, you know, uh, it's it'll be complete open-ended as to what they're going to be able to do from a recruiting standpoint. I, I will say that they will do better than last year. Um, I don't think they can match how bad they were last year. I don't think they could try to be as bad as they were last year. They will be better, even if Clay Helton is fired, even if there's you know that that sort of open-ended uh, question mark as to who the head coach is going to be is reopened. Um, I think you have guys on the staff that are going to be good recruiters, and they're going to be able to recruit well with the overlap. Um, seeing that USC makes a a, a, a popular decision. And if they would replace Clay Helton, um, that hire would be somebody that could recruit also and would be good. Uh, But, I mean, I I think that's where I kind of talked about with Dante Williams specifically. I mean, if if that was a scenario and that's how it played out, uh, he would be the Ed Erdron of that staff. You know, I think some of these guys, I think they've got a good assistant staff. I, I don't see, you know, a head coach coming in and just cleaning house. That ain't going to happen. There's some good recruiters on this staff and there's some good coaches on this staff. Sure. There would be, you know, potential changes, but um, I think that there would be guys that they would definitely want to keep. And I think Dante Williams would probably be number one. You're talking about a great local recruiter, a guy that's got great local contacts, um, but a guy that's also been able to develop and he's able, he's been able to get some guys from out of state as well. Um, and so you need to have those type of dudes um, in your office. And as a new coach, I mean, you're very dependent on that, especially if you're talking about like an NFL guy or somebody that comes in that hasn't been recruiting for the past couple of years and doesn't have sort of a built-in relationship with the class and can just bring in his own guys. So um, yeah, to answer the question, though, no, they got to win games. And uh, who the guys are are, are are probably most likely to stick, I mean, I think Zamarian Gordon is is one of those guys. He's a pretty quiet kid um he's not one that that really is is all about the recruiting process. Um I think Mason Murphy would be pretty solid. Uh I, I don't know about Garcia, uh Ote. Ote maybe, you know, cuz he's got his brother at USC and I think he really likes USC, but I think that there would definitely be some official visits and some questions about him if USC you know had a bad year. Um so, yeah, I mean, it. it's it's really not even worth getting into. Again, we're back into where we were last year when it comes to that question in terms of, you know, how is recruiting going to follow how the team plays? And it's, it's really hard to project, <laughs> you know, how that sort of plays out.
0: All right. Uh, let's see. We had 34 jump cut. What would the, quote, ideal wide receiver class look like for 2021? And who would GM favor and why? How many do we need? Well, I think they could take three because of the
1: numbers that they have available in the class and because of the offense. Um I mean you put Troy Franklin in there, you know, that would obviously be a you know, five star guy. He's got some size. Um you're gonna lose uh Michael Pittman uh this year and then you're gonna lose Tyler Vaughn's. Um the size thing you have on the roster a little bit. I mean you do have some bigger guys like Kyle Ford and Brew McCoy, but I think that uh um He's the really only guy in this class that's like a six-three type receiver uh, that that could really, I think, play that split end position, sort of like Pittman did. And so that that's more, I think that's kind of one of the, their biggest targets. And like I said, I think they're top three, top two for Troy Franklin right now. And I think if they're able to play this season, and you're able to let Ken Slovis, if he develops and continues to get better and you just have those games where the receivers are just going insane, I think it's really going to help them, especially if Oregon is supposedly his leader, that offense that they run is just not receiver friendly like USC's is. So I think USC uh, would be a good position for him, and I think that would be a guy that you take. Um I, I mean, ideally, uh, you know, I mean – Darius Davis is a very good player, too, very explosive player, six 6'1", six, 190 pounds, a good player. I think you could take him. USC's got a good shot at him. guy that I really like in that group is JoJo Earl. Um, he's 5'9", 170, but, man, he is so dynamic and open space and so fast. And I love those kind of kids. I, I love those kind of receivers in general, but I really love them in the type of offense where you're using space to get guys open. So, I mean, you want to line up Gary Bryant with a guy like JoJo Earl, um, I mean, heck yeah, I, I would take that. Uh, One guy that's very intriguing, but I know he has some great issues and he's got to kind of get that sorted out. Is going to be Xavier Worthy, and he's the kid that runs a 10.55, and he's got a verified 10.55. And if you watch him on film, he's fast and he's a really good-looking player. He's not very polished. He's not. He's pretty raw as a receiver, but I mean, you can't teach 10.55. So yeah, throw him in there. I mean, I take I take Quay, I take Quay Darius. Uh Troy Franklin and I would take uh Worthy and a harpy. Um, JoJo Earl if I can't get Worthy because he doesn't have the grades. That that's ideal for me. It's not necessarily realistic, but that would be ideal.
0: Who was the Northern California kid that I shot film of at the Elite Eleven? Do you remember what was Northern his California name? Northern
1: California I think it was Northern California Elite kid.
0: 11. Um Oh man, I forget his name. No, I mean, Jalen
1: Smith you shot. Oh, the Jalen most. Smith.
0: Okay, maybe that was him. Yeah, okay. but yeah. he's from Alamanni. He's not a North
1: California oh, okay. kid. And he was very good that day playing receiver, but I think his best position is in the defensive backfield.
0: Okay. Uh, I still got to put that footage up, so I, that's why I thought about that. And I was like, I can't remember his name right now. Uh, we got two more. We'll let you go. Uh, Desert Deserts Corp. Uh, GM, I remember when Mike Jenks came, he had never recruited the types of bigger backs that we have 215 plus in my opinion we still need the step or Lindell white type of back in the stable to run the ball when everyone knows we have to run the ball have has there been any changes to the recruiting philosophy with regards to the type of running backs we're going after i know we've kind of talked about this a little bit at the top but there was a lot of rebu- running back questions so i thought we'd touch on it a little bit more before we ended
1: well first and foremost i 100 percent agree I think you've got to have a guy that's a bigger guy that can get those yards. Cause sometimes the defense knows it's coming and you're going to be in a one-on-one situation. And that guy's got to break a tackle. And uh, if you've got a guy that's 190 pounds, 180 pounds there's a good shot that he's not going to be able to do that. So I agree with that. Is USC changing their philosophy? I, I mean, it's not that they haven't offered some running backs that are bigger. Certainly, you know, they went after Bijan Robinson. B. John Robinson was over 200 pounds, um, but they also recruited um, a couple of running backs that were smaller guys as well. And it seemed like in terms of the quantity of offers, it went out to more of the all purpose backs, more of the smaller type players. So I do think that from a comfort level, you see that Mike Jenks is more comfortable with that. And probably from an evaluation, maybe he's more comfortable with that because he's coached in an offense where that's been used and that's fit. But at USC, you have the possibility of being able to get bigger guys. You know, you have the possibility of getting a 230-pound back that, guess what, is also a guy that's a four-six-four-five guy. So, yeah, I, I mean, they've offered some of the top guys. Whether they make that push into, okay, we've got Brandon Campbell committed. He's 5'10", 190. Like I said, not a small back, but not necessarily, you know, Vi Melapai or Marquis Stepp. Let's go and 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 pivot and try to get a guy to, to 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 play with him. That's the Thunder, you know. That's the bigger back. I haven't necessarily seen that. You know, they they're going after Seven McGee still. He's very small. Um, they're going after Brandon Cardwell, a little Byron Cardwell. Excuse me. He's a little bit bigger. He's got a bigger frame. Um, he could definitely be two hundred ten, two hundred fifteen pounds in in college. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily. He's he's not necessarily a power back either. So, you know, to answer your question, I I haven't seen this philosophy of, hey, we want to go get a bigger back where it's been, you know, I remember talking to Kennedy Palomalu when he was at USC the last time, and he he was, there was a time and period right before they went and got Justin Davis where it was, we need to get guys that are over 200 pounds. Like, we got a bunch of running backs here that, you know, there's some good players, but God, man, when it comes to third and two, we can't move the pile. We don't got a guy that's got any kind of lean. We've got to get bigger. I haven't necessarily gotten that vibe of present-day USC in terms of the offense. And that's a different offense, obviously, too. You're not, you know, hiking the ball from under center. It's a totally different thing. It's not a downhill running game. In fact, if there's a lot of criticism about USC US HUD over the years it's the fact that they don't have a running quarterback and they keep running that zone read look. And it's just hesitation that it's just the it's it's pin in the ears of the, the defensive ends and they're just coming right into the offensive backfield because they know that quarterback isn't going to run the ball. And if you've got a diminutive running back, he's dead to rights because he's probably not going to be able to break a bunch of tackles in the offensive backfield. So there's some, some, some stuff that I still have questions about when it comes to the running game and it comes to their philosophy in terms of personnel. All
0: right, the last one. Well, we got two from Banff95. First one, kind of a math problem. He wants to know what are the odds or probability for this class rating to be based on percentages. So 100% means guaranteed to be that, 0% being no chance. So A, what percentage of this is a top five class?
1: I have no idea. That's a, I have no do. I got, I got flack because last year I was like, hey, USC could be like top 25, top 20 class, and it ended up not being there, and people were crying a river because it was – one of those things of that's the ceiling. That's the I mean, if everything aligns up, yeah, they could get there. And because it got nowhere near there, you know, people were upset and you know, all this stuff. I, I don't know, man, it's no clue what, what, where the, I don't know what other schools are going to recruit. Like you've got to kind of have an idea of what the whole national look is going to be. You know, what, is cleansing going to continue to kill it? Or is this whole COVID thing going to completely change uh, where kids are going to school out of state, obviously, and this is a question I just answered recently, that's going to help USC, okay? It's a negative thing, and I, I don't want to try to turn such a negative you know, national emergency into some kind of weird positive just for sports interest purposes, but truth be told, this is helping USC, and it's going to continue to help USC because it is going to keep more kids home, and USC is sitting on a hotbed of talent. So, you know, less kids are going to go to Oregon, less kids are going to go to Washington, less kids are going to go out of state. And that is going to ultimately help USC. How much? We don't know. That's to be determined. But it's going to help USC.
0: Yeah. No, I agree with you. Well, I'll just take a shot uh, at the the original question. I'd probably say like 10% or something. I I don't think this is going to be a top five class, most likely. He says be top 10. I think that's a lot more likely. I think that's probably like 60% for top 10 and C top 20, like 95% it's going to be in the top 20. Like there's only been one. I mean, who's going to be the head coach? Who's going to yeah. be the head coach? If they don't have a season, we know
1: it's going to be Clay Helton still, but what, I mean, if they have a season and they only win eight games, I mean, there's a lot of questions and who do they go after? And, and, and is it a dog and pony show? Like it was last year where the, you know, they, they kind of struck, they had hit Clay, but for whatever reason, sort of dragged their feet and even announcing that he was returning. There's a lot of questions, man. I mean, it's just, it's impossible. It's it's, yeah. it's like, hey, you know, what's the weather going to be like next fall? You know, right. <laughs> hey, how's that, how's that, what's the weather going to be like for that Notre Dame game? 10% is going to be, that, that would be easier to probably uh, forecast and what the heck recruiting is going to do under these circumstances.
0: Well, I think you're like his final question. Uh, if the new USC coaches and recruiting staff, were a metal band, who would they be? And would that mean last year's staff would be a hair? Pantera, baby. They
1: would be Pantera because they would have that, that they'd be, you know, rock star L.A., but they would have that Fort Worth, Texas sort of uh, roots, and uh, they'd be wild, they'd be energetic, and uh, they would open with domination every show.
0: All right. Well, so he says. Well, last year's staff would that mean they would be in a hair ballad band? So they're like winger. So last year's staff was like winger or something. Or last year's staff is uh, poison. I um, don't know. I don't know. I don't. I mean, honestly,
1: those are but those are pretty successful bands. Like even though I mean, everybody jokes they did make a lot of money. Like poison was a pretty successful band. Rat was a pretty successful band. How about like
0: white lion? Um, like they had like one hit, but that was it. Like maybe that. What you mean white snake? No, white snake was bigger. White lion was another one.
1: White lion. I have never even heard of white lion. See, I'm not hairband stuff. I'm not, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't have a, a great, uh, a great uh i don't i don't have a lexicon for all those bands so i don't i don't
0: know i'm just they had the song wait 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 you know that so there was like white lion white snake and then great white i think too or something but white lion had was, i think they were like a one hit wonder or something but it was like from the late 80s i don't
1: know oingo, oingo boingo
0: no those are they're way know. more successful than that like <laughs>
1: Oingo Boinkle is more. I don't know. Yeah, Oingo was.
0: Most of those '80s.
1: First of I all, think, huge I'm, I'm in Southern big, California. I'm a huge '80s fan guy. Like I grew up like no no after Michael Jackson. Okay, I was like five, four years old, and I was listening to Michael Jackson. Okay, I went into Duran Duran, and I, and I was a young kid, and I was like listening to Duran Duran. I went to like Duran Duran concert with my dad. when I was like ten years old, right? Yeah. So I like 80s music. I'm in the, it. It's, it's crazy. As it is. I listen to death metal and technical stuff. I have this weird sort of like, I dig Tears for Fears and Duran Duran and Tepeshmo like, There's a lot of great 80s bands that I love. But most of those 80s bands were like, I mean, Flock of Seagulls. Did they even have a hit outside of that one thing that they did? I can't even remember the they name were, of the song. But... I
0: think there were like one or two hits. I think so.
1: Yeah, maybe the Flock of Seagulls, huh? That's USC. It could be. They're not a metal band at all. It turns out they're a flock of seagulls.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Boingo was like, they started in like the early 70s. They went like into the 90s. Like they were they were around a long time, but they had like a bunch of different oh. members and stuff. But they're they're LA band, they're a local band. So uh, big like K rock band and stuff back in the day. Um, but, I
1: apologize, Oingo Boingo. That name came to mind and I thought that was a one hit 80s band. But no, the only lad.
0: Dead Man's Party is huge. Like, that was mid 80s. Like, it's Dead Man's Party. Like, they had a whole bunch of songs. So, uh, that sounds like B52s. Are you sure you're not getting them confused? No, dude. I'm on their Wikipedia page right now just to make sure I wanted to oh, know what's yeah. uh, <laughs> but, but see, White Lion, I remember them, and I know they had that one hit. I've never like, heard of that. Wait. But there was like a one hit thing. They were like in a group of, there was a whole bunch of like big hair bands, but they just weren't super successful from what I remember um so that could be usc like the the rose bowl year you got that one successful season i don't know but what, what did yeah, you say pantera you pantera for the i think
1: pantera i think pantera would be right. you know pretty pretty sweet i don't know if they're that level i mean to be honest with you I mean, you're talking about dying bag daryl who's like one of the greatest ever but you know i mean that i mean it just kind of goes it's the texas kind of flair and roots but you know you kind of have the uh you know Cowboys from Hell and it's kind of over the top and uh they came, they sort of had you know Pantera kind of came from a little bit of glamish stuff there was they started out a little more glammy than people remember but then they transitioned into being more gritty and uh you know real heavy on their Texas roots and stuff but uh yeah I'll, I'll throw I'll throw Pantera out there and it's not Slayer not Metallica I mean Metallica is like free in Alabama would be Metallica if we're doing that Yeah
0: All right um Let's see. Cleansing
1: would be Megadeth.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: What a strange thing to dive to completely divulge into at the end
0: of the podcast. It is. It is the end. But good stuff. Uh, we'll try to do more of these. Uh, but thanks, uh, Gerard, for coming on and uh, sharing all your insights. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. We well, we went about an hour and forty. So that's pretty good. But all great questions. We're, those was just like a few hours worth of questions. So, and I apologize to anyone yes, we didn't definitely. get to. Yeah. But I tried to yeah. get to. A, you know, cover every topic, but we did skip a couple.
1: It also sort of gives me some, some stuff in there. Like I go, okay, so like, I need to figure this stuff out for war room and there's some, there are some questions in there. You know I mean? I think the Brock Bowers thing uh, and tight ends is a, is a legitimate question, you know, as to, you know, kind of trying to find out more about that and, and what happened with Brock Bowers and is that a guy that USC really recruited hard? And yeah. So it kind of gives me some, some focus into like what people want to know, you know what? Did, what are they questioning? A lot of questions about quarterback position, and sort of where is USC going at this point? You know, now that uh, sorry, Robertson is, is committed to Penn State, or excuse me, uh, Mississippi State, and uh, you know, they go. I think again, sort of the 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 answer is in the lack of offers that they've given. They haven't necessarily gone out with a bunch of offers. I think there's not a lot going on right now. It's kind of the answer. But um, yeah, this always is something that's interesting just to see what people
0: want to know. All right. Well, that's good stuff, Gerard Martinez. Follow him on Twitter at gmart live. Follow me at inside troy. Uh, thanks again, Gerard, for coming on. Thank you for having me. All right. Hope you guys all enjoyed that. Some uh, USC recruiting, even though it's the you know the quarantine, the pandemic shit going on. Boom, we get you all this recruiting information. USC's recruiting at a high level. Gerard is all over it. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Please be safe. Wash your hands. Stay at home if you possibly can. Keep listening to our show, and we will talk to you next time.